Hi everyone, welcome to episode 110 with Sohi Lee. So Sohi's back with us, we're gonna talk a whole bunch about her attitude and approach to social media, how she doesn't spend or lose too much time or get stressed out by getting involved in arguments and too much discussions, just posting quality stuff and interacting with her followers a little bit. We also talk about how she's pivoted over time with her approach to social media and where that comes from, showing more authentic Sohi. And we get into why we seem to be seeing more evidence-based nutrition popping up in our industry and the mainstream. It seems to be gaining traction. And a lot about an abundance mindset and relationships uh, within our industry. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast, and we're welcoming back Sohi Lee. It's her third appearance on our podcast, so she's kind enough to come and spend some time with us today. She's coming off a rant-fueled adventure we had with her last time, and uh, it would have been really fun if you guys had heard uh, the conversation before we went online, but we're not going to go there. Uh, let's see. So if you're the one person who's listening to this who's not heard of Sohi or ever listened to our previous episodes... Uh, well, she's a prolific nutrition and fitness content creator and coach, and she's backed up by a, an MS, a BA in human biology, and you're currently pursuing your PhD in sports science from Auckland University of Technology. So it's great to have you back. Yeah, can't believe you guys aren't sick of me yet, but not at all. Ranting, ranting didn't uh, scare you guys away. <laughs> well, I got we usually aim. For we, those. I was gonna say we usually aim for that. What's going to trigger so <laughs> Well, after last time, we figured that's the best thing because uh, yeah. like, a, a lot of your podcasts is I, like we've talked about this before, but I originally found you by listening to Physique Science Radio uh, that I, you and Lane Norton did. And so well, I think, yeah. And so, of course, I think that version of Sohi was probably a little bit more polite and soft bit. and yeah. professional, well, not for lack of professionalism, but just very poised. And it's fun to get people to speak their true thoughts, if that makes sense. Yeah. As opposed no, to... I, I think uh, probably early last year, I decided that I didn't want to be so stiff online anymore. Yeah. And if, even if you scroll through my social media posts from like two and a half years ago, my persona is very different. I come off you know, straightforward, professional, et cetera, but not much of my personality showing. And I was like, you know what? I'm not, I don't just, it's not fun. I want to be a little bit more uncensored. So I started swearing more. I started being a little more opinionated. And I'm like, this is who I am. And I guess people like it. I think there's something to be said for being authentic. And this is actually the first yeah. place we were going to go <clears throat> was just your use of social media. And, you know, it's become this giant sinkhole of time. And I noticed this with a lot of our fitness industry friends or peers or whatever that they spend a lot of time on there they're arguing they're in discussions that probably don't really matter or advance their careers so you you avoid those arguments i really don't think i've ever seen you get into these discussions that way you just tend to jump in you surgically post something you interact and engage with your followers fantastically but how did you develop that i guess behavior that discipline and why do you avoid getting pulled into the industry echo chamber discussions do you mean with followers who disagree with you or well, anyone not, who maybe like on other people's posts and sort of argument, oh, okay. yeah, argument I've, I've fucking never... politics or social stuff or all this. You mean oh, this, this okay. so, yeah. First of all, I avoid that stuff like the plague on purpose because one, I don't feel like that's what I, I don't want to be known for that. And I feel like my personal uh, opinions on those topics are separate from my fitness brand. Um, I also don't, feel like I know enough about any of those things to have any public opinion about it. So I kind of know when to keep my mouth shut. Uh, and I also feel like it's opening a can of worms. I just don't want to move in that direction. I, I want to focus more on the science of training and nutrition and behavior change and things like that. And that those are, that's my sole focus. And I think anything else would really just detract from it. So when I do talk about non-fitness topics, there are things like puppies, <laughs> Peaky Blinders, uh, you know, Napping, oh, I love for naps, things like that, you know, the, the safe, the safe stuff that everyone loves. Well, Peaky Blinders isn't safe. Peaky Blinders, <laughs> you know what, the latest season, I couldn't get it through. I used to love it, and then I, now I, I just stopped watching it after a few episodes. It got kind of weird, 
but yeah, it's a very intense show for sure. I stopped watching TV maybe with before Game of Thrones sort of clued up, but I, I finished that up. That's a Cillian Murphy show, right? Peaky Blinders. Oh yes. I remember him. I first found him on Twenty Eight Days Later, the zombie movie, oh, he and he's on the, there. and he's the guy who woke up. That's what made him famous. Is he woke up in the hospital, was wandering around like, "What the hell's going on?" And great I I love him in in Peaky Blinders. Most people would recognize him as Scarecrow in the Christopher Nolan Batman. I was going to say on uh, Inception. Yeah, Inception's the other one. Oh, and now I need to go watch it. I'm pretty sure I've seen it, but I didn't realize that. Yeah, you don't realize it until you kind of until you realize. It's funny it. how that is. Like, how many movies have you seen, and then you go back ten years, ten years later, you're like, oh my god, that was that person. Yeah, they're support. They they move their way up in the industry. Yeah, I love yeah. this stuff. One of my favorite movies is Heat, and that's from like 1995. And you go back, and Al Pacino's got a little stepdaughter, and it's Natalie Portman, and she's oh. like a kid. She's like, oh my gosh. And if you go in there, like there's 20 plus actors you'll recognize. You'll be like, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe that like Hank Azaria is like the guy that uh, Val Kilmer's wife is screwing around with. Or Dennis Haysbert, who was a president on 24, is the fry cook that they grab as the driver when Danny Trejo can't show up to the team, right? So you know this I just love this kind of stuff. But I guess I stopped moving to watch it. So that's actually like the same thing with these Facebook arguments and stuff. Is you almost need a PhD in this stuff. Like even uh, have an argument with people because there's people who are like literally so good at arguing nothing. It's insane. It, I, I noticed very early on that uh, most of these people who argue, they're not trying to learn from you. And there's nothing you can say for them to even concede one point. They can't even say, ah, oh, that's a fair point you bring up. Here's my response to that. They can't even do that. And all they care about is digging their heels in further when that happens, I know it's a complete waste of time. Um, the only time I will really respond to something, usually it's just on my, I will never go onto someone else's page and comment on their posts. Um, especially if it's another colleague in the industry, I feel like that was just, those discussions can probably happen privately yeah. if it's something that I have a serious contention with. Um, but I also think that publicly commenting a disagreement on a colleague's post feel like it can come across the wrong way where I almost like I'm trying to intentionally make them look bad. Maybe. Well, I, I agree with that. Actually, I saw recently. So there's a guy that I've met in my travels and, and I like him. I think he's well-intentioned. I won't say who. And he sometimes will criticize without tagging the person, uh, technical aspects of some article or something that someone has posted. And so he had put up the, the work of another person who is really sweet and well-intentioned and was criticizing it. And I looked and they're not mutual friends. There was no tag. There was nothing. And I was like, wow, like the second person's a really good person and is putting out yeah. lots of helpful stuff. <laughs> and I went back maybe a few days later and I found it was all deleted. So I'm, and I, and I thought about it, I was sort of tempted to message him privately and be like, yo bro, this doesn't look very good on you. Uh, yeah. It didn't make me lose any respect for the second individual it made me kind of go mm, about the first person. Does that make sense? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm someone who, you know, part of a, a, a group that organizes a, a conference. We had one recently, uh, you know, we're doing that again next year in perpetuity. We have podcast guests and the first person um, I'd never thought of having on the podcast. And that made me less inclined. The second person has been a guest. Uh, the second person, uh, I would definitely look at as a speaker at an event. And you know what? By having done that, the first person kind of made me go, nah, and I'm less inclined to do any of the things that I have the power to help promote the career. Yeah, it's, I think it's just this general thing of, you should actively support other people or not say anything, or if you're going to disagree with them, one one thing I saw actually, an example of something I saw done really well was Greg Knuckles recently when he was talking about the stimulating reps and how he, like the effective reps for hypertrophy. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. And yep. he was like, disagrees with Chris Beardsley and James Krieger. And here is my extremely well-constructed argument as to why this is not a knock on them as professionals, but I do have some disagreements on uh, their input on this matter. And he was so respectful. And that is something I can get behind. And um, he's not passive aggressive. He's not, like, it was just professional. So there, I think there's a right way and a wrong way to go about things. My way, if I disagree with someone, I probably won't say anything to them on their page per se, but what I might do is wait a little bit 
And then on my own platform, I'll say, well, <laughs> let's talk about, here's what the research says on this topic. And I'll try yeah. to be as objective as possible. And I'll say, in light of the latest research or the most relevant research, here's what we can really conclude. And I know it's a very common misconception to think this, but in reality, here's what the research is suggesting. Well, and there's and no, right. I was going to say there's no good way. I don't know. I don't think it ever comes off well if you go onto someone's post or page and start talking shit. Like there's no, even if it is well-intentioned, it like always comes off poorly. And everyone who sees it's like they start biting, like they, they post the popcorn gif because like that's what it, it looks like. Yeah. They're waiting for a fight. It's only happened twice in the last, say, six months on my page. I'm probably a little less contentious than ever just because of you know, broader reach. But someone did it just a couple, like yesterday and came off kind of as a dick. I'm just like, okay. And then someone has done it in the past not too long ago. And I'm just like, they're determined to be right. And like a whole bunch of really smart people are just kind of quietly or either responding or quietly behind the scenes going, no, man, like... Andrew, yeah. you're right, and this yeah. person is like. It, it, I think it, it ends up coming off more as uh, an ego battle, kind of, yeah. because you're on a public forum. You don't want to back down and embarrass yourself, so you're going to want to win. Like that kind of is the general gist of how those things go. So, I definitely have gotten more involved in arguments in the past, especially even on my page, especially when you bring up things like veganism, dairy, those, those like hot, you know, trigger topics. And I know when I post about those topics, I'm like, okay, here we go. I know, I already know what's going to happen. Or like protein and kidneys, even things like that. Uh, it's going to happen. So um, nowadays I'll usually only respond if I feel like I can say something that will then benefit the other people who are seeing it. Absolutely. And I think there, your community of close friends, uh, Lane Norton, Spencer Nadolsky, uh, you guys all do a pretty good job of taking on these issues that can become, like religion, very contentious in the nutrition realm. And you get different responses. Now, Spencer's approach tends to be more making fun and highlighting I was say, the crazy what, what shit. part of like not, they totally start arguments. Oh, they totally start arguments, but they've got their own way. And of course, Lane just use it as fuel to you know, fire back and- Oh, Lane's not afraid of anyone or anything. He'll, he has like no filter either, which I, you kind of have to admire, honestly. Yeah, I, I get a great kick out of when he gets loose. And I think a lot of time the trolls just very deliberately are trying to get a rise out of him. Um, but that's also Lane's brand. He's uh -huh. more bombastic, he's a bit of a character online. So therefore that feeds into his whole image anyway. So yeah. it's very much a part of who he is. You're, you've got a softer approach to it, but yeah, if you're yeah. gonna dabble in these issues, I think you probably better be ready with nutrition more than training certainly better be ready to put the gloves on a little bit and, and deal with the people who are coming in uh, talking shit or telling you to educate yourself how often yeah. do you get told to educate yourself oh uh not so much anymore but when it does it always makes me laugh so fucking hard yeah okay if it goes away ah. once, you, once you get your phd that should like subside a little bit you think because then you can just. I mean, always... I don't know. Maybe people will tell me they have. I have no idea how easy it is to get a PhD. Yeah, that, that's actually a good one. Usually, it's like, can you believe this person has a PhD? Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's always interesting, especially with nutrition. I know it happens with training as well, but for sure, I think more with nutrition, we find that everyone thinks that because they eat food, <laughs> they're now nutrition experts. Like that's just how it is. They're like, well, I eat, and here's what my experience, therefore you're wrong. And I'm like, okay, it's the, it's the very common uh, false line of thinking of correlation equals causation. And it's almost like not even worth trying to explain that to people. Uh, so in that case, you know, I, I do I actually do block people when I deem it appropriate, when I feel like they're not adding anything to my page. They're not here to learn. They're never going to buy from me. They're never going to support me in any capacity. All they're doing is, is talking shit. Why are you here? I think this actually, we can sort of touch on something that's kind of relevant to me recently. And, you know, before we got on air, you asked me how I was doing. And anyways, on my social media, saw that I had a brief stint in the hospital. We're talking like four hours, nothing serious. But I think like avoiding stress at all costs is foolish because, you know, as long as you're in control, like stress can be a really good thing. But yeah. At the same time, filtering out the things that steal our attention away from our true mission and create unnecessary and negative stress. I, I completely agree with the idea of blocking just the trolls and, and the people who are not being constructive. Yeah. It, protecting your time and your sanity from right. 
he's who's the guy who's the runner that's on Joe Rogan's fuck the the like the black guy that was in the Marines or the the special ops dude. Not Goggins. Yeah, Goggins. The, he has this whole thing about he's like I'll block all the fucking trolls. So they'll like come on his site and he literally is just like yeah if you're not supporting me like you're done I don't even care. But like it, he was ruthless about it, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you should, especially if you're serious about your professional development and or your personal development, you should be extremely protective of your time. Yes. And I, that's why, and I, you know, I probably could be better about this, but that's why I don't really answer my DMs very much anymore. <laughs> um, I'll try to get on comments on my posts for the first maybe 20, 30 minutes. I'll prioritize that. And then after that, I'm like, eh, if I see something good, I'll respond to it. But otherwise, I have other stuff to do because every day I have this long, long to-do list and I feel like I'm always just trying to stay on top of it. If I get sucked into a two-hour argument, that's two hours less I have to devote to like reading research, to working on a quality educational post that could help thousands and thousands of people versus arguing with this one idiot who's <laughs> not going to change his mind, you know? It's Time stole it away from your dogs. It's time stole it away from you to get to relax. So um, I, I think you have to be extremely particular about who you give your time to and who you give your energy to. And if it's kind of like, you know, if you have a, someone coming into your home all the time who's just talking shit to you and making you feel bad, you probably wouldn't want to invite that person back. And yet you know? why are so many people so consistent in inviting these negative people into yeah. their online space and engaging with them? I certainly have said this numerous times, but I feel like anyone that I see who spends an inordinate amount of time arguing or in these discussions online, I'm not saying they're all useless, but they spend a lot of time where you constantly see the same names. And I think to myself, well, you're not busy, right? What are you doing? And, exactly. uh, I, won't, I won't say who said it, but uh, it was actually a really funny quote. And a friend of ours uh, talked about uh, people having struggle buddies and these <laughs> groups of people who, what? You, you, remember, you remember this, yeah, they have struggle buddies. So people get in these little echo chambers and they're either oh. complaining about stuff or talk, arguing about ideological things and, and they form camps. And he characterizes people who are struggling and they have their buddies to kind of struggle together. And yeah. instead of donating their time and effort into the struggle, like making their careers grow. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> a few months ago, you know how the we don't have to talk about too, too much, the actual topic. I'll just say what happened. So basically, um, I noticed a little bit last year and a little bit earlier this year, I was getting some pushback. Anytime I'd make a nutrition post or talk about like fat loss, for example, I get pushback from some anti-diet zealot, right? And yeah. you guys probably know about it. And rubbed me the wrong way. It is like bad because I had read about it. I learned about it. And I was like, eh, like, I, I, why does it have to be so binary? Why, why does, why does it have to be like, you're either this or you're that? I'm like, they're just, there is a lot more nuance than the way that they're making it out to be. So I made several posts, um, you know, alluding to either alluding to it, or, uh, there was one post where I used the term anti-diet directly. And that was like that set that like triggered people bad. <laughs> I had some popular, uh, Instagrammer with a million followers. Actually, she's now dipped below that came on and I think she felt personally attacked because she's been on that crusade lately. And then one of her workers came on and was like, um, ha I'm just curious, have you read this book? Uh, like, what do you even know about this? Like, she was kind of interrogating me on my page. I didn't see it. I, honestly, I think I was in, on the, in the middle of flying to Toronto for my event. I didn't see it. Then she comes back and goes, oh, see, you're not responding. You have no, like, she was like, oh, your lack of, yeah, your lack of response means that you have nothing to say, basically. And I think I came back and said something along the lines of, I don't know who the fuck you are. I have this many things to do throughout the day. No offense, you are not worth my time. Like, <laughs> that went over well. doesn't mean that you have nothing to say. You're just not worth my time. And um, <laughs> I was trying so hard, you know, not to be rude about it. But it's, it's like, I don't know how to get it through to you. I'm not obligated to respond to anyone online. Actually, I'm not, I'm not at all. And um, I have decided that you're not someone that's worth <laughs> my energy. Therefore, I'm going to ignore you. And like, they take it as, oh, <laughs> you're speechless. You're, you're dumb. Uh, but you no, know, I think uh, making the decision to bow out of a conversation can, is tough, but can be, is important. 
You know, you don't have to respond. You don't have to say the last word in everything. I agree with that. Every once yeah. in a while, I get into some sort of contentious thing. Usually it's on someone else's wall about something stupid. And I realize myself, shit, why did I even participate? Because maybe I was tired or oh, just yeah. kind of unimpulsive. Yeah. I'm better and better at not doing this crap. <clears throat> and then sure enough, someone will keep going. And I'm just like, you know what? Nah. Like, no one will care in a day or two. And I'm just like, I'm not going to, like, emotionally feel to respond to this nonsense. No. You no. feel so much better when you actually manage to step away from that stuff. Right. Like a week later, you won't even remember the conversation. But that's why I'm so big on just being even selective about who you follow online. I don't, <laughs> I know there's, I'm like, how do you keep up with anyone when you follow like two or 3,000 people? Jesus, crikey. I, I only do a couple hundred. And honestly, every few months, I'll go through and like update my list. Because it's not that I don't like these people per se. It's this is my fitness business professional career brand. Uh, this is my work, and uh, the more people I follow, the more time I spend on social media. And I'm not trying to do that, you know. So just something to think about. I noticed the same thing with Instagram. It's like on, on Facebook, it's one thing. Sure, you have, I actually value having more people you're sort of connected to because that may be someone who turns around and messages you a month or five sure. years later about you know being a client but when it comes to instagram uh, you know there's a lot of people who i i, I don't want to say like a lot a lot but there's a few people i feel like i fall out of obligation more than, than interest and maybe friends sure. what they're right. posting is not for me so what i'll often do is i'll make sure that you know someone's a friend on facebook but i won't necessarily follow them on instagram because right. i try to pro approach my instagram it's a bit of fun well, everyone who knows andrew who listens to this thing is going to go cross-reference and yeah. you're gonna know who you don't think is important. <laughs> it's like that's his, that's his structure. Oh, I've seen what it is. Yeah, yeah. Whoops, right? Telling the truth, but no. And and again, I you know, no one should be offended by any of that sort of stuff either. It's just there are things that I'm mostly interested in. But that's the, but so this goes into that whole argument about like called imposter syndrome and all this shit, where like people don't want to post stuff because like they think they're gonna get attacked by all these fitness professionals. When like a lot of them don't give a fuck about your post. Like, and that's, that's just being blunt, you know what I mean? And then, so they're worried about posting stuff, but like they could help their audience, but they're just too worried that everyone's kind of dissecting what they're putting in it. And like you just said, like, <laughs> you're just doing them a courtesy half the time because you're too fucking busy to look at shit. Like, right. Well, I think oh, imposter syndrome is interesting because I feel like it still affects um, even highly successful people. Mm. I still struggle with it because I'll get, this year has been very um, good for me career-wise in terms of opportunities coming my way, things like that. And I feel like, you know, every speaking gig that I get, for example, or if, especially if it's a national platform, which I did, you know, this year, twice last year, uh, all it does is like, it's one stepping stone up the ladder, right? That's in my mind. But I still, I, I love it. I, this, I love public speaking. Andrew, you've heard me speak. I, yeah. it's, I enjoy it. I do, I think, well. Um, I'm a, I Absolutely. love teaching. But I, I always have these feelings of why do they think so highly of me? So like Bill Campbell, for example, who everyone should be following, my favorite guy yeah. um, in the industry, professor of exercise science at University of South Florida, runs the physique science lab there. Our areas of interest and research very much align. Does a lot of female physique research, diet breaks, fat loss, things like that. Anyway, he... Um, like I just he just he just asked me for to uh for a formal you know relationship with the master's program there and I don't know if I can dive into details yet but I got the email and I was like getting all emotional and I was like why does he think so highly of me why does why me why me like and it is it, think of it's this is this realization like I don't ever take the time to enjoy my own success where like other people might for example when you were to list off my accomplishments like here's so he here's what she's done here are her credentials i'm sitting here like oh my god who's that oh that's me like there's this, this weird thing um so i think on a day-to-day -day basis i don't feel like i'm on top like i don't feel successful per se i just feel like i'm putting my head down and grinding that's really what it feels like so then when i get these opportunities people ask me for these to do these cool things like speak at our conference do this like contribute to our book write give me a quote for the back cover of my next published book like i'm like are you like <laughs> you know like this <laughs> I'm the right person like that's my reaction even now it's 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 crazy 
Well, like, but we, but I intro to you. I mean, like, I skipped over a shit ton of stuff, right? Like, yeah. published author, uh, you know, your, your pro, the various programs that you guys you've launched, this sort of stuff. Like, there's, yeah. there's so much more to it. Um, you mentioned the imposter syndrome. This has been a hot topic recently, and uh, I set you up to talk to my friend Carolyn McDonald on her podcast. You were oh, the lead guest. Yeah. She's great. She loves you, and she was trying to get me to be her first guest. I'm like, Carolyn, no. I don't have the same brand recognition as some of the people we're going to rage for you. So I was like, we got to get like, uh, we talked to Spencer Nadolsky and, and had you. So you end up being the lead uh, episode. And then I ended up being number two. We recorded mine first because she was so nervous. She wanted the practice round. But yeah, she's, a, she she's a sweetie, but she wrote an article about imposter syndrome and it got yeah. widely circulated and she's just in tears going like, why do people care about me? Why are people so interested? And honestly, mm -hmm. I, I like people who experience the imposter syndrome because it tells me that they actually care um, and they want to be, you know, yeah. help people. Yeah. And anyone who is so goddamn full of themselves that they think that <laughs> they can do no wrong, I'm a little bit more skeptical of that person right. than the one who and is. You know, obviously there's a middle ground that should be achieved here, but between the two extremes, <laughs> I, I almost prefer imposter syndrome because it means you don't, your ego is not gotten out of control. Yeah, exactly. Like you're still humble, you know, and uh, I do think that in many ways, probably in any industry, once you start getting an ego and you don't keep it in check, that can be the beginning of the end for you. Because you know. if you start thinking you're the shit and you start treating people poorly and you're like, how dare you? Do you know who I am? Like, oh, that's just, oh. you don't leave room for growth. You, you, you shut out opportunities. It doesn't look good. People don't want to work with you. Like if I were a diva all the time, like. I, no one would want to be like collaborate with me, you know. We wouldn't have had you back for you know second <laughs> or true. third episode. That's right? not true. Divas, divas can make like good podcasts. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but that's not what I want to do be known for. You know, I don't want to be like, oh yeah, I met so he had a conference and she wouldn't even give me the time of day. Like, I never want to be that person. Well, shit. I and I think I probably said this on air. I know I told you off air for sure. I mean, I remember when I met you. I met. You, Brett Contreras, and yep. Spencer Adolski, all at the same time at a conference. Yes, I'm walking I remember out the door. exactly where we were. Yeah, Part we, yeah. Through, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I look and hear three people that I'm like, I follow you guys all for quite a long time. You know, I feel like you're very successful and influential. And I'm like, holy shit. So I make a beeline, go over and say hi. And, and I recall having something very individual about each of you guys that I liked a lot. Um, I, I remember autographs. No, no autographs. But you guys were really down to earth, and then we we all hung out uh, a fair bit over the course of that weekend. Yeah. And you know, you guys are real down to earth people, and that's why you know I count you guys as friends this day. All three of you guys have been on the podcast. Uh, we're bringing Brett back again soon. Hopefully, he yeah. said he would. So <laughs> he said he would. So he says. <laughs> so he's got to. And uh, you know, yeah, anything I can do, like I've been, Brett just released his book. I've been putting it up on my social media. I yeah. put your book you're, up I mean, on social media. Andrew, you're you're great. You're so supportive of the, the the good people in the industry, and that's something that I feel like not a lot of people. Have, not to interrupt you, but just so I want to uh, just like interject a compliment for you. Uh, it, I think it's the having the um, abundance mindset. You know, like just support everyone. There's enough success to go around. Versus, I'm jealous of you. Any kind of accomplishment, like I'm gonna be envious. I hate that. Like, but just be happy for other people. When I, I think that's a lot more, this is where like this whole imposter syndrome, and my whole point was like, people aren't posting good stuff because they're worried about other people. I, I would say more people have an abundance mindset than not a lot, but at least, well, yeah. Like there's not a lot of fitness people that are like big timing people because like they're not even in a lot of the, the circles that all of us run in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Jillian Michaels isn't worried about us and she's not a big no. time. So no. she, maybe she would. It's like the time Spencer gets a picture with uh, what's his name, the uh, David Avocado Wolf, and like has some fun with it, and he yeah. posts it, and you know, like they make fun of it. But every once in a while, someone comes back, and it's like, well, Avocado Wolf's got this massive following, and you think he really cares? And there's actually a point in that, but I still think it was hysterical. Right. So yeah, you do that. You do that very well, and I think Thank you. there's only there's what bad can come out of that. There's nothing. It makes you look good. Obviously, it makes them look good. There's just Everyone wins. I have nothing to worry about that one of my in-person clients, which is my livelihood, that's where I make all of my money, are gonna turn around and say, well, I wanna go and train with this person. In fact, one of my in-person clients did ultimately go and train with, went and spent some time with, uh, loves Carter Good, loves Jordan Syatt, 
and has done online coaching with each of them. And this is an old friend I've known for 12 years. I'm glad he's really, my, my friend and client is really happy working with them. I got two clients because of Brett's episode and they saw it shared yeah. on feed. Well, there's an Edmonton yeah. trainer. Who the fuck is this Edmonton trainer friend of his? So they both find me. One girl finds me in a commercial gym and walks up and starts talking to me. And the oh, other one just emails me and starts bombing me with questions. And, you know, they both are now again doing Brett's online work because yeah. they've learned a lot and they've done a bunch of stuff with, yeah. in person with me to refine it. And it's not like Brett lost any business. If anything, it further uh, reinforced it. One of them turned around and bought his book, Boot Lab book. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, pumping him here, but I think that's well-deserved too. And it's like you said, abundance mindset. Every guest we put on this podcast, I'm comfortable sharing with anyone who wants to listen. They want to go follow them and buy their online programs or their books. Then great, find people who resonate with you. Because a large number of our podcast guests, especially you, uh, have had a profound influence on my knowledge base and the way I approach my career in terms of professionalism. So why on earth wouldn't I want to give back? Uh, yeah. We just had, again, the event, what, a month ago, the uh, this strength symposium, and I was able to bring, well, Dean Somerset's one of our partners, so obviously he's up on stage. I said to him when we started this, like, hey, we want you in on this, and you're presenting. He's like, cool. I'll, I'll support him wherever. I love Lee Boyce. I've become suddenly real good buddies with him. We want to bring him in from Toronto, and he was super. So, like you can create opportunities. And we had what four of our nine speakers. We originally were supposed to have ten, but Brian Cron had to drop out last minute. Yeah. You know, we were able to create four pre presenting slots for women who are often underrepresented in our industry yeah. for Canadians. Who that all happens. Like, so even at the greater point of it is, and we usually get down to like, what can people get from this is that a lot of these networking opportunities showcase themselves in different ways over the years. And just you kind of, if you don't have that mindset, you miss out on literally all of that. Because like what you both were saying is like a series of events and like you probably noticed it with your career over the time, it just builds and builds and builds and stacks. But if you're an asshole and are super protective of all your stuff, like oh, that doesn't yeah. happen. Like, listen, if you have good relationships with colleagues in the industry and you're working hard and you know, you're doing the right things, when there's an opportunity that arises, they might think of you yeah, and recommend you. Like that's happened to me so many times. And especially this year in 2019, I realized how actually, and I think before I was maybe a little more hesitant to collaborate with other people in the industry. I'm like, well, what if, what if they, you know, what if, what if they say or do something um, publicly that then makes me look bad by association? It was things like that. Or like, what if they drop the ball on me? What if they screw me over? There's always going to be that risk. But I think there's so much more to gain in working together with other people. So I've been making a concerted effort this year to do that a lot more, especially with like other women in the industry, you know, that with my, uh, my Toronto event, for example, the event yep. that I put on with three other female speakers, that was very intentional on my part. And I'm like, let's just do more of that. We need, we need more collaboration because all we're doing is helping each other. Um, and there's no way, I mean, I can think of like Blaine is probably has been the most Blaine Norton by far above the most influential person on my, in my career. Um, in the beginning, as far as um, helping me with my credibility, putting me in the spotlight, just like a little bit of a push. And that changed my whole life, my whole life. And it's you know? reflected very positively on Lane because like we talked about earlier, I found you through Lane and that just further reinforces, you know, how great Lane is because of the people he has surrounded himself with. He's always been good about that, recommending like he has absolute abundance mindset. Yeah. And I will always be indebted to him. Always, always. And he knows that too. I like every couple months. <laughs> I'm like, Lane, do you know how much you've changed? Like, he's like, I know. I know how much you love me. You tell me all the time. I'm like, you have to know this. <laughs> he's probably yeah. the type to. Yeah, I'm well aware of that. Like, that the, the relationships absolutely matter. So isolating yourself is not the way to go. Yeah. Cause like, even if you, you, you talked about females and bringing them up and stuff, but if you are not actively putting yourself out there and having these network opportunities, those yes. chances aren't, they don't happen as, as often, even if they should, it's just not yeah. how a lot of these yeah. things work. And, and, and not just meeting people online, but I'm so big on attending conferences and seminars and mostly for the networking, honestly, or, or I don't even think of it as networking. I'm like, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. <laughs> and I'm like, Absolutely. okay, I'm at a national conference. Honestly, I'll probably go to like two talks. <laughs> That's not what I'm there for necessarily. I'm there to see my, my colleagues because having that in-person interaction is so much more powerful than just online or just texting or just a phone call. And that could be where I um, hire a new coach for my team. 
or I uh, collaborate on a new research project because I'm talking to Bill Campbell about, oh my God, I want to do that too. Oh, I have these resources. Let's do it together. You know, that that's when those things happen. So you well, this, like, yeah. This actually like goes into our next question because you've kind of not, I don't like, we're not going to do your business model, but you've yeah. pivoted a little bit because like two years ago when you started talking with us, infographics were huge. And yes. now, now they almost no longer work at building larger followers quickly. So you've pivoted uh -huh. to memes for, to get like a novel way to cut through the yeah, online noise. But like, right. how has your approach of staying ahead of the industry trends, if at all, build engagement and new followers, especially with the stuff you're talking about, like being more involved in real life stuff to plays. Yeah. So I think here's the thing with social media. I don't think anyone really knows what they're doing. If I'm being <laughs> transparent, everyone's like, here's my course on how to build a following. I'm like, that's just your best guess. Like, honestly, we're all clueless and what might work right now may not work next month. And remember, like even remember last year, I think I was shadow banned for like two full months. And I didn't, I, you know, we told you about this. And I was sitting there thinking, I can't control that. Uh, I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know when it's going to be lifted. I don't, know, I don't know if it's going to last forever. All I can do is control what I put out. So for sure, there was a time two or three years ago when infographics were so popular. Uh, they got tons of traction, helped gain lots of followers. And uh, I did rely on that heavily. There came a time, however, about uh, a little under two years ago when I realized infographics are great, but they're not set. I don't think they're so great for branding purposes in terms of I want myself to be associated with my brand, not just some white graph or like, you know, some images and things like that, because that could have been anyone putting that together. But if I show more of myself, um, show more training videos, for example, or I have a video tutorial where I'm talking about some like how to calculate your dieting calories and you see me talking comfortably on camera, you know that I know the topic very well if I'm able to explain to you a lot, you know, on a video format, things like that. And so you'll notice in the past um, several months, I've been injecting more of myself into my branding on purpose. And I still keep up the infographics. I don't think they're dead per se. I just think they, the momentum has slowed down considerably, um, which is not a reason to stop, stop them. I don't think you should just do only what gets traction, obviously, um, because I still think they're extremely helpful. But uh, I do try to talk more about um, maybe like more, real life stuff, more practical implication stuff, things that'll help resonate with people even more. Because I noticed that people really like when they feel as though they can relate to you. That's the stuff that typically gets a lot of shares is, oh my God, she wrote this post on this topic. I've been thinking the same thing, but she said it so much better or something one of the, along, something along those lines, right? They're like, oh my God, yes, I've been saying this for years, share. That's one of the reasons that would my post would get a share. So I tried to do more of that. Um, and for sure, there are topics that I do actively try to avoid, or if I feel like I'm not prepared uh, or knowledgeable enough yet on a given area, I won't discuss it publicly. You know, they'll ask me, I'm like, mm, maybe go ask this person. That's not my area right now. But uh, I think I'm, what's cool about like the online or the, at least the entrepreneurial world is that my kind of specific branding can shift a little bit over time where I'm pretty... I have a good idea of what my end mission is. You know, I want to change the industry for the better in these ways. Uh, but the how, how do I get there? That's pretty flexible. And so I'm always paying attention to um, what are people responding to online? Um, what do I enjoy doing? What do I feel strongly about? Because if I don't, if I'm not passionate about something, I'm going to suck it. I know that about myself. Like, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to half-ass it. So I'd rather talk more about the stuff that I care about. And um, people seem to, the more I let myself kind of be more authentic, the more people seem to really like it. And then that translates to more um, sales. That translates to more seminar attendees. Mm -hmm. And the speaking, like right now, I'm now trying to push over time to more speaking engagement. So I um, haven't taken on a single online coaching client this year. Um, I have three online coaches working for me. They are taking my trickle down. Um, people that's on purpose because I'm trying to free up more of my time to um, read research, conduct research and talk about the research. That's what I want to do. And also the speaking engagements, something I love, love, love doing. So if I would love to get to the point where, you know, in Toronto, we had 32 attendees, this next one in Sydney, we're going to have 70, which is our max. We're, like, we're going to be fully sold out. Uh, then next year, I'd love to maybe get a hundred and just keep growing that and growing that to where 
I'm known as a credible speaker, female speaker in the industry um, ed who's educational and is worth going out of your way to learn from live. Um, so one of my mini, one of my small dreams is, is to have an event with like four or 500 people in attendance wanting to learn from me. That would blow my mind. And you know, that's not about money. It's about making an impact. So that's, that's where I want to move. That's the direction I want to move into over time. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, well, like the, that, it answers a lot of things because okay. the reason why that came up is you've seen a lot of people, like a lot of the content creators for that shit mm -hmm. tended to pivot as well, probably because, and this is for whatever, whoever is listening that's kind of thinking about these things, probably because they can't do those other things with the infographic. Like no one's looking at an infographic and is like, I'm going to bring this person out to speak to a women's only event right. because of their infographic. Yeah. Because like, that's a lot of risk involved of not knowing, like you said, are they comfortable? Can they speak? Exactly. Do they know their shit? Because anyone can put an infographic and, and pull a bit of research and type a caption. But you do you actually- You can working on a one post. Yeah. But you don't really know it that well, or you know, exactly. It's hard, it's, it's, it's easy to, um, fake quote unquote fake your knowledge and expertise on a topic with something like an infographic well, there's it's still happening like um i call it like now it's like the fitness my dog's coming in um the fitness accounts are pulling other people's infographics and that's yes. their that's their following or they just repurpose basically copy the content and then pretend like they wrote it that happens a lot too like, I, I don't know, it probably happens on yours, but like, I'm still, like, when I was writing infographics, I was trying it and it worked really well, but I'll still get like, literally once a month, there'll be like a bunch of those dudes sharing it. I'll get like six of them and they'll travel around. I'm like, people are still reading this shit. I was so stupid back then. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I think like, as it evolves too, you kind of look back on your infographics and even that stuff has probably changed. Because when it was big two years ago, a lot of the, the general information was pretty, Thing, I, don't know. I think with what's happened in infographics is they become so ubiquitous that they no longer yeah. work as a brand identifier. Yeah. Water we, down. When yeah. we had you on two years ago, because you were one of our very first 10 guests we had, uh -huh. uh, we talked with you about this and we had Jordan Side on early, we had uh, Carter Good on early, and we had it was just on started. a while. Yeah, it was and that just was when it was like kind of at its heights. And in our industry, you four were kind of known as the people who were doing this stuff. Yeah. Now, Everybody, I'm like, I've never heard of you, uh, and your page is filled with nothing but infographic, but it doesn't tell me about you as a professional, like you know what I mean. So, yeah, you're right. I would not look at someone who only does infographics and be like, I want you to come speak at my event, like, definitely not. That would not be nearly enough at all. When I wonder how well it translates to sales, like, honestly, like, I think like maybe at the beginning it did, but like, I, yeah. Well, the other problem with it too is, especially on Instagram, you can gain a lot of followers, but are they engaged followers? Sure, are right. they people who are going to turn around and actually buy things? And right. Out of every guest that we've ever had, when they have shared our podcast through their different social media channels, guess who had the highest well, number of downloads? We, we can proxy for her episode, and that was yours. So you're the only guest that's ever gone over <laughs> ten thousand downloads on an episode. But like that was also probably at the peak of like I don't know it's it's interesting because like yeah. Spencer wanted to take you down, Spencer wanted to take you down. Didn't quite his did you? But, but even that stuff quite happened. The way people are using Instagram is changing now too because we can see through a proxy kind of how the trends go, and a yeah. lot of the times like even with your second one wasn't as big as your first one. Right. Back in the day it was like kind of when Instagram everyone was flooding to like yeah, those things. And, uh, well, and there you know there are numerous factors too because what if it was like the timing of when I wrote like posted about it or maybe it's the the title of the hmm. podcast episode that like people hmm. are like mm, what is that like uh, so many different things. maybe it was the algorithms I don't know um, we have no way of knowing that's why I'm like anytime. I think a post is going to do really well. I'm like, Ugh, just keep keep it in check because it could fucking flop. Well, and that's a that's a that's a problem you have. <laughs> we can tell who like people bought followers at some point. Like, oh, for, yeah. for sure. Like, I I like yours. Your following got bigger over time, but like they were engaged, which means you didn't like. You know what I mean? Like, and we can see people with the same following as yours, and their podcast is shit. And you're like, interesting. Well, so there's also the one place you really tell is if you've got someone who's got in that 15 to 30,000 follower range. But I actually think one of the things that Instagram did that now obscures this is you can no longer see how many people liked on a post. So it's actually kind of hard to tell 
if so, oh, probably bought I think the in the U.S. we still have that. We yeah, they still have, still have it because when I, I was know. in Lake Tahoe, yeah, you could see it because my buddy yeah. Ryan was like showing me his stuff and he's like, you can't see your likes anymore. I'm like, no. Um, but I know, like, I think, I know, I, I know for sure that was helpful in terms of how many followers their like likes to followers ratio is pretty telling, yeah. you know, if I'm like at almost 250,000 followers and I get like 50 likes to post, you know, that's like something's not adding up here. Or if I'm like, no one's ever commenting on my shit or they're all, all the comments are spam, you know, that's probably fake, mostly fake. And I do see that a lot. Um, you know, but I'm like, collaboration, you should be, uh, we want you to collaborate with us and uh, be in our apparel or those kind of fucking posts. I am like, block, spam, go away. <laughs> Which like is just, it's funny we're talking about this because it's like, that is part of the fitness industry at this point is like understanding likes, fake accounts. Like it's, oh. it seems so crazy, but it's just like, that is part of the game now. Like even knowing the atmosphere knowing it but not being obsessed with it i think because you can focus on but i think the joe focus got the wrong thing but i think other people do focus on the wrong things like you're talking about a lot you you saw a success of that and you still pivoted yeah yes because because my my mission is not just to grow followers as much i'm i'm not trying to just pump up my ego and and gain as many followers as possible if i wanted to do that i would honestly do things very differently on my social media and you guys know the different ways that <laughs> you would have it. pictures of you on uh-huh. dark locations you'd be in dubai and oh mexico and there's this photo where you're like looking off into the distance of the sunset and all yeah, that shit and your account doesn't have that stuff i probably <laughs> i probably you know have a very convenient angle all those things um, which is fine. It's just not what I want to be known for. And so, you know, one thing I learned long ago in the very beginning was there's a big difference between attention and respect. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather have the respect of my followers than just have like a bunch of thirsty eyeballs. <laughs> well, especially in like, so, especially in a time where like that's, you can talk about women and in, in industry and all this shit, but like that's the stuff people are saying anyway. Like you did this to get this. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sucks because like the instant you do that is you almost lose that respect, regardless of whether it's deserved or not. And it, it, that is part of the game though right now is yeah. like, that's, there's a lot of people doing it and you get yeah. lumped into that regardless of whether that's your intention or not. Right. So I think, um, I feel like I've done a decent job of growing, uh, you know, a sizable following um, the way that I, exactly the way that I want to in terms of, um, especially now, very education heavy, putting out tons of free content. And yes, my business has continued to grow every year in in light of that. Um, and it's not, I think if I had maybe done just the infographics only, um, what you guys were saying, and never really showing my face or talking to the camera or anything like that, probably wouldn't have done so well business-wise financially. But I think I, I try to mix it up, have a good mix of everything in there. Um, and so we kind of just wanted the trash infographics. What's that? We kind of just wanted the trash infographics. Well, I, I I like the the memes where you're you're making fun of either you've got your own organic memes. Yeah. Like there's one where you're uh, two images of you, and if anybody's seen this, I'm talking about where you're looking kind of sideways. Like current re- someone influencer says, current research yeah. says blah blah blah. Yeah. And, and, then you- and then the current research is like yeah, the the side eye. Yeah. Passive aggressive memes. Yeah. But then then I'm like making sure I back it up with actual research too. (laughs) Things like that. Um, yeah. So that's another way to be like, Oh, here's, here's me. I have a sense of humor, but I also know what I'm talking about. So there's some of that going into it as well. Right. And so, uh, especially as a fitness, um, professional in the industry, for me, I'm like, I think it's important to show that you walk the walk in a lot of ways too, but I can do that. Um, while still being educational at the same time. So here's me demonstrating this exercise. You can see that I'm I look a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's that's the way that you can do it, you know. And your story is full of that. Uh, for anyone who follows Sohi and uh-huh. actually watch Instagram story, and I, sometimes I find it challenging to get through everybody's Instagram story because there's so much. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it becomes a time sink. But you're constantly showing how to do exercise, and you're showing yeah. clients that you're working with doing right. exercise. So. It's just honestly, it's it's building social proof. It, I mean, it's still multifaceted. It's funny because my. When um, Stories first launched, I think it was three years ago, I didn't get on for about three or four months. I didn't use them at all. Cause I was like, 
what would I even, my life is boring. My life is so fucking boring. All I do is work. <laughs> nothing interesting. And then I realized, oh, I like, then I slowly started to leverage it more. And now I feel like I'm actually pretty good at it where um, every single thing that I post is either like building social proof or like showing my workout that indirectly promotes one of my services or something like that. Um, but, or like builds my personality or whatever. There's, there's always a reason that it can add to your brand. But of course I know you don't want to be that person who has 50 stories a day. People hate that. Like I'll see the dots and I'll click out right away. Yeah, um, um, <laughs> there's a balance. You mean like Brett? You mean like Brett where he's constantly <laughs> yeah. resharing all yeah. of the tags? It's like yeah. Brett, we, we get it. Your, your program builds bums. <laughs> yeah. So there, there are a lot of ways to interact with your followers and, um, and build your own brand using, utilizing the different and new features that keep coming out on social media. Uh, interestingly, I never actually got on Snapchat. That was the one platform, like popular one that I never even bothered trying. I don't even know how to use it. Um, okay. like I knew uh, I didn't want to spread myself too thin with trying to master too many different social media platforms at once because I already knew one's overwhelming enough and I just didn't even go there. So, but I've done, you know, I've done well so far doing mostly just Instagram, a little bit of Twitter, a little bit of Facebook. There's yeah. a new one now. It's TikTok. What? Yeah. yeah, I've heard of that. I don't really know what it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what it is either, but I heard it's the next big thing. So if you get big uh, on that, I'll take credit for it. I'll see. Um, I'm not that interested right now. But I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I swear. Like, that's I've the next big thing. never heard of it. Yeah, so. it's, it's the... the but it's the, um, yeah. What, what I do love about social media, and I know it can be so frustrating for so many people, is one, I've met some of my closest friends through social media. Yeah. Kind of a cool thing, right? And I always joke, and it's true, though. I'm like, I have no friends in San Diego. Like, obviously, <laughs> I'm like, I have zero friends in San Diego. All my closest friends are like, around the world in different countries and different like states. They're all spread out around the world thanks to social media. Um, but also a really cool thing for me has been the ability to use social media to do a lot of good. So obviously there's the education aspect, but also now that I'm starting to conduct my own research, the number of people who are willing to volunteer their time and energy to contribute to research through social media has been unbelievable. Really? want to yeah when I did my master's yeah. uh, survey two years ago I distributed the link over social media I got over 4,000 responses in less than three days I remember that I, I remember that actually you got that yeah. many, eh? that's insane and I was like I thought I, I was like I'd be happy with 200 I, I had no idea and it was a 20 to 30 minute survey no one was getting paid you wouldn't even get to see your own results so there's nothing in it for you and yet when I shut it down early because I had to I had too many participants <laughs> People were pissed. They were like, I want to take this. And I'm like, I don't understand. You're not getting, I was like, you're not getting paid. But I think it's like, they want to give back. You know, it's this idea. So that has been really uplifting. And even now with my new research, I'm doing a bath extension EMG research study here locally with participants have to come into the lab. So that's even more time out of their day. Um, the response has been overwhelming. The number of people who want to be a volunteer for the study. So that's the stuff I'm like, man, social media can really be used for a lot of good. And that's the stuff we should be you start training scientists how to use social media for real. Like, like you, there you is like that is like yeah. a and not you shouldn't actually train people. Like maybe you want to, but like that's a huge in because yeah. getting people to research is hard. And then I'm going to be facetious to say you could become the the. Business social media business coach for, for the science for this yeah um, you know what i was talking to eric helms the other month and he just said this in passing he was saying to me he said you are a science communicator and that term i was like i like it <laughs> but I, I do think it's a skill learning how to take research or, or anything that's academic or you know very uh there's a lot of jargon in it uh, then turning around and going to the general public and saying, here's what this research says yes. in words that you can easily understand. And also here's what it means for you in practical terms. I think that's very difficult to do. Well, I think a lot of people yeah. don't want to do it. Like even my buddy, ben House, yeah. like my ben House will, he, he is not putting it down in layman's terms. Doesn't care. Is this easy to understand? That's always my goal. Can anyone understand this? Because if I'm, if I have the most brilliant life-changing research paper, but no one knows what I'm saying, I haven't, that's not helping anyone. So this right? actually goes into a question we wanted to ask. And, and I'll sort of say this is, 
your community of friends we've talked about, uh, yourself, Lane, Spencer, Nadolsky, you guys are some of the best in the industry at taking research-based, evidence-based information and getting it out into the mainstream in an accessible form. And like we said, that's a good skill. So yeah. but it also seems like evidence-based nutrition information, it's being more accepted, more shared broadly in the fitness industry and okay. with consumers. And I was wondering if, you know, what you felt was behind this, it's obviously a positive trend, and uh, then we maybe can touch on if there's anything that's sort of troubling you within within the industry, but that's a separate question. So. Um, you mean in terms of the evidence-based information? Like why is it being cool? Why, is it, why do people yeah. think it's cool now? Like are, are starting to think Oh, it's cool. okay. I gotcha. Um, yeah. I think there's a, I, I, you know what, I, I sense this in college too, because I went to Stanford, you know, and it's a... Um, <clears throat> obviously it's one of the very highly prestigious universities, my dream school for a long time, et cetera. And I noticed there, there was a very interesting uh, trend where it was very popular to call yourself a nerd. It was like the cool, you wanted to be a nerd. And especially with like athletes and stuff and, you know, Stanford athletics does very well. So they were very proud of the fact that they dominate in athletics and academics. So they would use this term, this hashtag revenge of the nerds, <laughs> revenge of the nerds. Like we're, we are athletes, but we're also nerds and we are dominating all of you. It was kind of that mindset. And, uh, I, I do think that it, there's this, there's this trend where it's kind of cool to be smart, you know, yeah. cool to be smart. And I think it makes someone look more badass, I guess. Um, people know it's the harder thing to do. So when you have someone who's good looking, in good shape, and is smart and knows the research, people are like, that is a huge turn on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> there might be something. That's how it started. There might yeah. be something that's a bigger societal <laughs> shift behind this, or it might at least relate to it. You're talking yeah. about it, you know, being cool to be a nerd. And when I grew up, you know, comic books and Dungeons and Dragons were very like subculture things that weren't cool. And now the biggest movies, blockbuster movies are Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and, and all of these superhero movies. And this is, this is the big mainstream. Dean is covered in Spider-Man tattoos. And so I think there's a big shift with that. And perhaps with this, this generation, you know, people bag on millennials and I guess you guys are both technically millennial. I'm not, but yeah. I'm a little older than that generation. I'm a like, weird little middle one. But point being is that I think that generation is more open to good evidence-based information. I think so. That's a theory I have. Well, just not yeah. cool to be stupid. I think. Well, and, and you know, I think it was like, even on, on social media teams a few years ago, all of a sudden it was, oh, science is cool. That just became a cool thing. And so, um, you know, I think I've toned down my snark a lot in recent years because I, you know what, like I, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, um, being too snarky and having that attitude can backfire in that if you are um, like maybe like too opinionated and not like super objective, this is my take, you might turn away more people than you actually end up helping. Like you might turn them away because you know how if you like if I'm if I'm in an argument with you and I something you did pissed me off and I go Andrew and all of a sudden I just start attacking you I'm like you did this you did this blah, 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 blah. you motherfucking blah, blah, blah. your <laughs> automatic response is going to be defense right put up yep. your, defend yourself because I'm attacking you you're gonna defend yourself that's so I kind of see it as if I go out attacking 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 if I'm abrasive and people are just going to hold, like, they're not going to be receptive to my, what I'm actually saying. Yeah. Those are the people we're talking about at the beginning of this episode. Bring yeah, around. Well, <laughs> Don't be those you, people. Won't, you won't really see me do that um, much. I'll try to maybe, I can inject some humor into my posts. Um, but sometimes, most, a lot of times they're just, you know, pretty serious too. Uh, but I don't think that being super polarizing, my opinion is, I would, I think I would help fewer people being polarizing than I would doing the way that I, doing things the way that I do now. And there are people who do polarizing better. Uh, your friend well. Spencer. You, you yeah. tell Spencer I don't, that I don't find Spencer's, oh, well. <laughs> what are you talking about? I suppose. I mean, I, I think Lane is more polarized than Spencer, but Spencer sure. push buttons on things like vaccines, for example, but he's also a doctor. Yeah. That's by its very nature polarizing huh. topic. Yeah, and that's just, that's not the route that I, that I want to. Also, I'm like, I don't know if I can handle the anxiety of all the pushback that I would get, like all the drama and the, 
Ugh, I don't know. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy that at all. Yeah, I think you have, to, you have to thrive. You have to thrive in that because there are some people that thrive yeah. in conflict and like, yeah, yeah. that's. I think that's a key part of it because a lot of this underlying is is being true to yourself and letting people see more of you know your personality yeah. and your personality does not want to deal with conflict on no, your basis, on your social media. Peaceful person in real life and pretty low drama. I don't want to bring more of that in. Hell <laughs> no. Give, give her the book one because no one can see. No one can see Sohi, but there's no books in her bookcase. So we're gonna assume she doesn't read, but <laughs> just boom. It's like but like we we that's another thing. So we talk about proxy of people's followers. We also like know people's bookcases. <laughs> and yours is definitely the emptiest one. So yeah. I'm trying to remember who it was, had like stacks upon stacks of books that they just collect them and they don't end up reading them. Do you remember which guest that was? Shit. It's lost on me. <laughs> Brian was one of them, but there's a few. Uh, I do that a few people who like self-admitted buy books and don't yeah. read. Nope, I totally get it. A lot of the problem is it's actually hard to find the time. You know, you're reading research a lot, so it's kind of hoping that maybe there is something that you've actually taken the time to read, or you know, even if it's an old book that was pretty influential. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Okay. Probably more recently, I love, and I think you post about this too, Andrew. I love Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what's cool. funny is he and I Skyped five years ago in 2014 when we were both in the very beginning of our careers, like very like fetus beginnings. And he reached out to me and he had just started his blog, um, maybe about like a year or a year and a half in or so. And this is when uh, he, and he was starting to talk about like habits and behavior change and things like that. And he reached out to me, we Skyped, we just chatted just to connect, you know? And then it was been really cool to see a few years later, he now has a, you know, major published book on habits. So I did um, read most of that was very insightful. I love it because you guys know I love talking about habits and behavior change. I think that's a huge um, oh, underappreciated component in the health and fitness industry and probably the missing, the missing and most misunderstood key um, to lasting change. So I loved it. I think um, James has uh, an uncanny ability to what I said before, uh, communicate the research and the information in a very easy to digest manner. Express that is, yeah. yeah, that is huge. And like, if you can in incorporate different anecdotes to help illustrate your point, more power to you does a great job of that. So uh, I know the book's doing really, really well. He sent me a copy. I love it. I recommend it. I think it's good reading for everyone. That's yeah, one of the best books I've read this year. I found this year because I've read a lot of the classics in our industry in, in previous yeah. years that it has been harder to find really good books this year. And it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another thing that's really cool too is he, when I first met you, he was there at that conference as well. So he was yeah. there hanging out. Right. So got to meet him. And he's just a quiet, nice, unassuming guy. There's not a shred of ego in him and really polite and pleasant. Um, we had originally scheduled for the podcast, but just he's been so busy, everything's blown up with him that we hadn't been able to make their schedule. Like, yeah. 10 million copies or something. At some point or other, it calms down a bit, so I'll, I'll reach back out well, to him. I mean, honestly, good for him. You know, yeah. as a side note, what I will say about him, I think he's a great example of someone who can achieve uh, resounding success simply by being very consistent with what you do. And that's one of my, I always say that's one of my keys to uh, long-term career success, especially in this kind of industry is, can you be consistent? Not just for a few months, but year after year, after year, after year, after year. Because if you, even if you think back to five years ago, the people who were popular five years ago in the industry have mostly faded away at this point because they kind of put her out. They're not consistent. They become complacent or they burn out or they honestly didn't love this in the first place. So they lose interest. Any combination of those things. Um, and I, I, to me, I, I so admire people who 10 years in, they're still doing the same thing. 15 years in, they're doing the same thing. And those are the people who I feel like they rise up, honestly, because they are consistent when others are not. And James does that very well. I think that's actually one of the things that, you know, for me, and I think maybe other trainers will relate to this too, is I probably struggle to be consistent with, you know, my social media posting. And you go, you rattle around your brain and say, well, uh, it's hard. It, it is hard. really hard and you make certain yeah. excuses with it. So it, it's something that I'm conscious of and, and trying to do a little bit more with. And sometimes you feel like, oh, it's fucking social media posting. But you're right. It is an important part of getting yourself out there. And the more we get ourselves out there, the more people we can positively influence. If they're 
you know, in your case, they're, they're following your everyday information on your social media, or they're buying your books, or they're your programs, your macro coaching, uh, right. going to one of your seminars. There's a lot of ways that people can you know, absorb more. So speaking of absorbing yeah. more. Yeah, where's the where's the best place to find you now? I'm sure it's the same, but like literally. Uh -huh. Yeah, for sure. So what? very simple. Everything online for me is So He Fit, S-O-H-E-E-F-I-T. I am most active on Instagram. Um, however, I can't promise that I'll respond to your DMs because I've admittedly uh, intentionally pulled back on those because I'm trying to protect my time. If you have a serious inquiry or question, please use the contact form on my website, sohefit.com. And either myself or my one of my um, helpers will get back to you. Twitter, Facebook, so he fit, so he fit. Everything is so he fit. Just don't find me on Snapchat because I'm not there. <laughs> and TikTok. You're not on TikTok. Yeah, oh, no, you right. are. You said you got it. Huh? No. You didn't get it. No. Okay. Okay. No <laughs> well, no. guys, again, we really feel really lucky to be able to get Sohee back. As you can tell from listening to this episode, she's busy. She's got a lot going on. And I'm excited to see what. Though. That's what's important. Yeah. <laughs> and it, we really appreciate it uh, again. And as you said, there's a reason why I continuously share and post the stuff that you're doing because you're someone that I think yeah. incredible value to our Not industry. Not going to notice. Yeah. And uh, so, guys, thanks for listening. If you haven't already been following Sohi, go follow her work and uh, stay tuned for next week. Yeah. Right. Shut, up Shut up and sit down. Shut up and sit down.